On today's show, I've got a few things for you to consider if you're thinking about moving. This is Life After Sight Loss Radio. And welcome to episode number 47 of the podcast, helping you discover life after sight loss. My name is Eric Daniel. I am your host and resident VIP, aka visually impaired person. Hey, if you're new to the program, welcome aboard. This is the place where we do product reviews, life advice, encouragement, how to's, and so much more, all with the express purpose of helping individuals and families who are going through or facing physical sight loss. Welcome, everybody. So glad that you could join me this week on the podcast. It's going to be a great time. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to go over some things that you need to consider if you are moving. And spoiler alert, I'm in the process myself, so I've got some ideas for you. Plus, uh, we're going to coaching corner about independence. And I've got a little tip about resting your eyes if you are low vision. So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. And before we do, I just want to remind you that you can find the show notes to today's episode if you go to lifeaftersightloss.com slash 047. Of course, the show notes will give you all the information that I talk about in today's episode. Any links, conversation, information, anything, you'll find it at the show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 047. today's coaching corner, it's something that everybody, I think, deals with from time to time, whether you've lost your sight or not. And it's the idea of being independent. You know, many people would describe themselves as independent people. You know, I do things on my own. I go places on my own. I I try to figure things out on my own. We all want to be independent, you know, at some point in our lives. That's the whole point of growing up. We want to be independent people. You know, whether we are 20 years old, 40 years old, even, you know, for 10 years old, we want more independence. And there's nothing wrong with that. But after losing your sight, your independence isn't necessarily stripped, but it's sure challenged, especially after you first lose your sight. Recently, I was watching a TV show. Uh, I'll just go ahead and admit it. I was watching The Golden Girls. Look, I like The Golden Girls. Don't judge me. It's a great show. If you if you haven't watched it, you should check it out. It's on Hulu. It's a great show. Anyway, uh, one of the characters on there had a sister that visited, and that sister had recently lost her sight. And so she was trying to do things on her own, but she was having some trouble, which, you know, naturally that happened. She was trying to cook, and she caught something on fire or whatever. Anyway, it's sort of typical. This was back in the 80s, so it was a little less like... I don't know, politically correct. But anyway, the point is, she was having some struggles being independent. Now, she was a person who had always lived her life very independent. She was an airplane pilot. She, you know, went cross country. She climbed mountains. I mean, they kind of loaded her up with independent things. Naturally, she's just that character. It's a TV show. But she was very independent. And she was struggling with this idea of like, I'll never be able to be independent again. So at one point, she kind of flip-flops and needs help getting to the couch and getting a glass of water and everything else. And they're trying to challenge her, you can be independent. You're just going to have to do things differently. And I think that's the key that all of us need to remember when we are struggling with this idea of independence. Now, obviously, some things like driving, yeah, that's gone. That's that's not coming back. You're not going to learn how to drive again. But... The idea of being independent isn't totally stripped away. There are some things that you have to wrestle with of being dependent in certain situations, but you can still live an independent life 
But all you have to do is learn to live that life differently. And I think that's the challenge for many people that are visually impaired, especially when they lose their sight and go from sighted to visually impaired. It's this idea that, well, now I'm totally dependent, whereas before they considered themselves totally independent, which if you think about it, they probably weren't. They probably depended on other people for certain things. For example, let's say that you had a house and something went wrong with the house. Maybe, um, I don't know, the, the water heater broke and you didn't know how to fix the water heater. Well, you would be dependent on other people. Even if you could see, you'd still be dependent on other people for you, you know, for them to come fix that. We don't consider that after losing our sight, but we are dependent in certain situations. So in this coaching corner, I just want to kind of give you a reminder and encouragement. If you were sitting across from me, I would tell you the same thing that, Hey, find ways in your life where you are independent and start there because you're not going to be independent overnight and you're going to have to learn different ways to do things. But I know that independence is possible and doing amazing amazing, wonderful things as possible. It just might take you a little bit of time and a little bit of a different skill set. But at the end, you can find independence, even being a visually impaired person. All right, we got a little groove and moving music because we're talking about that topic of moving. Now, a little background here for you. If you're a regular listener of the show, you'll notice that I did not have an episode this past week. And the reason for that is because my family and I are in the process of selling our home and purchasing a new one. And I'd love to tell you the whole story. I'll give you more personal information maybe at the end of the show as to not bore you here. So if you want to know more, stick around to the end. I'll give you some interesting tidbits on that. It's been a lot of fun. But we're moving from this location to the next. Now, we're not going cross country, even across the state. We're just going more down the street. But when we were looking at houses, a lot of things came to my mind that didn't come to my wife's or especially didn't come to the realtor's mind. You know, I'd say things and they're like, what, what's the, uh, I'm like, oh, I'm blind. I think about things differently. And maybe one day soon in the future, you'll have the opportunity to move. Now, depending on your situation, it could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. I don't know. <laughs> you know, on the list of things that stress us out, moving is like in the top three because moving is stressful. It doesn't matter where you're going down the street or across the world, moving can be stressful. And so I wanted to give you a few things to consider if you're thinking about moving. Now, this is more from the angle of the new home that you're going to purchase, the new location, that sort of thing. There are tons of things like finances, like location, like um, you know your job, all those kinds of things come into play. This really isn't about that. This is more about the place you're going to live, you know, the house, the location for you to consider, especially if you recently lost your sight and this is all new to you. These are some some things for you to consider if you're going to move. So let's hop into a few of those things just in case you have the opportunity in the future to move. All right, first of all, and these are in no particular order. First of all, what is the walking distance to things around you? I know at the current place I live, I can walk to a couple of things, not not a lot, but a couple of things. And at the new location, that will be different. And so maybe you're thinking about moving to an area that's more, you know, rural or something like that. And the, the walking distance will be a challenge. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't move there. It's just something to consider because if you're no longer going to be able to drive, maybe you have a spouse that works. Maybe, uh, you know, you'll be alone during the day, that sort of thing. What's the walking distance to certain things? And is it important to you to be able to go and to walk? Maybe you have a neighborhood where you can walk around and get outside the house and that's good. Maybe you have a place where you can walk to restaurants or shopping and that's, you know, something as well, but it's whatever's important to you. I think it's important to at least consider what the walking distance to things will be in your new area. 
Next up, we have what is the contrast going to be like in your new home? Now, some of this can be alleviated by painting, and that's a whole nother topic for someone else to cover who knows about you know home decor and such. But what is the contrast like? Some of this has to do with cabinet color, uh, countertops, a uh, floor to wall color, um, stairs, you know, the whole idea of like carpet color. What's the contrast like? Not only on the floor to the wall, but even, you know, outside of the house. What's the the contrast on the porch, On the if you have a deck? I mean, all those sort of things, because you need to realize that, like I said, contrast can be, you know, alleviated a little bit by paint, but if the contrast is not great in the house, it's going to be a challenge. So if you've got light walls and dark cabinets, that's good. Dark cabinets and light countertops, that's good. And again, some of that can be alleviated and you can, you know, make a house your own, but you want to consider that when you're first looking at the home. So you can say, okay, what's this like and how well can I see in different rooms? So think about the contrast in your new house. Next up, going right along with contrast is lighting. What is the lighting going to be like in this new house? Again, you can add lights and you can do that sort of thing, but right off the bat, what's it going to be like? Do you have a lot of light? Is there overhead light? That's a real big one. When my wife and I are going through looking at houses, we're always wondering if there's overhead lighting because in a lot of houses, there's not. In my current house, it's an older house, and so there's not a lot of overhead lighting in certain spaces. Now, that's a bad thing, but it's something to consider. How much light are you going to have to add? When you add this light, is it going to you know affect the shadows and the contrast of things? You need to know what the lighting is like because that way you're prepared when you're going in. One of the places I know like is the kitchen. Do you have a light over the sink? Do you have a light over the stove? Um, is there light in closets? Uh, different areas like that. What are the outside lights like? Is there going to be a light on the porch, a light on the deck? I, I think you get my point. What's the lighting going to be like when you get there. Again, you can always add lights, but it's important to kind of keep that in mind when you're looking around at that house. Next up, you want to consider how big is the yard. Now, I'm not talking about personal preference because you may be like, oh, we want like a huge farm or we need a small little yard because we don't get, you know, it depends on your personal preference. And that's a whole, again, a whole nother topic. But you have to think about if you've got yard, that means mowing the yard. So maybe you and your family have figured that out. You live in a place that's got a great big yard now and that's not a problem. Or maybe you're traveling from an area that is very small yard and you're looking to go to a really big yard and yard. Yard maintenance is a big deal. Now, I'm not suggesting that visually impaired people can't take care of yards. Not at all my suggestion. My point is, it's other things to consider. Because if you've got a big yard, you might need to hire someone to mow the yard on a regular basis. You might need to get somebody to take care of the landscaping, or at least maybe get it started so you then can maintenance it, if you will. But again, it's just things to consider. I I think that's important uh, in all of this as we kind of get to this midway point, that anytime you have a new house, or a new place or new yard or whatever, it's going to be things to take care of. And that doesn't mean you as a blind person can't take care of it. It's just things to consider and say, okay, how are we going to take care of it? You know, when you're sighted, you don't think about a lot of those things, but when you're visually impaired, you got to think about them. And that's the whole point of this one. So think about what's the size of the yard, how much maintenance is there, and how are we going to take care of it being visually impaired? 
Next up, and this is sort of a common one, but how many stairs are there? You know, how many stairs in the house? How many stairs outside the house? Do you have 50 steps to get up to the porch? Uh, do you have 1,000 steps to get, you know, do you have two, three levels? Is there a basement? Are there any handrails anywhere? Um, what are the stairs like? Are they slanted? Are they curved? Are they, you know, one really big one and two small ones? What's the stairs like? Anytime I go into a house, I'm always trying to at least memorize what it's like. So when I go back out, um, you know, if I'm going to a neighbor or something, I go back out. I'm like, okay, I remember this is, you know, it was four whatever the case is. You know, my own house, obviously, there's five steps up to the porch. Uh, inside, there's like 16 up to the upstairs, that sort of thing. So it's it's things to consider. Again, not that you can't have a house with stairs. You just want to consider it because if it's going to be a huge challenge all the time, if, you're, if it's going to take you forever to get used to, that's something to consider because you may be like, oh, I don't know about this. That doesn't mean you have to buy a one-level home so you never have any stairs, but you as a person who's visually impaired have a a little bit more of an obstacle to deal with. Now, you may be like, I love stairs. I'm totally fine with it. And if that's the case, great, awesome, go for it. Just remember to consider what are the stairs like at this new house. Next up, and again, this can all be changed, but it's good to note right when you move in, what are the appliances like and how accessible are they? Now, you things like microwaves and, and stoves and ovens and you know, washers and dryers, usually they're not very accessible. They all have got flat panels and you're going to have to put some dots on there and that sort of thing, and that's fine. But it's good to know that in advance. Now, yes, you can buy all new appliances, but remember, appliances aren't that accessible out of the box at least not most of them. And so when you go into a new house, you know, because here's the thing, when you go into a new house, most of the time you're going to use the stuff they've got there at least for a while. So you want to know, okay, hey, I'm going to plan this uh, for the stove. I'm going to need this for the microwave. I'm going to need this, that sort of thing. So how accessible are the appliances? And this could be kitchen, laundry room. Uh, This could be even like the water heater and the furnace. Like, are you going to be able to access that? And thinking about the furnace, how accessible is the thermostat? Is it going to be able to be accessed by you. I know in my house right now, we have a Wi-Fi thermostat where I can access it from an app on my phone. And that's been really nice. And the new house, we want to get the same thing. So if it doesn't have it, we need to prepare to get it. So it's all those little things about appliances that most people don't think about because they're like, oh yeah, just hit the button. I'm good. But us VIPs, we got to think about that. So consider how accessible are the appliances. And a last little thing to consider here, what's the neighborhood like? And again, I don't mean the neighbors themselves specifically, because sometimes you just got to go and see what happens. But what's the neighborhood like? Is it uh, walkable? And again, I don't mean necessarily walking to something, but are there sidewalks in your area? Is it a very busy road right outside of your house? Uh, are you far from things? Is the neighborhood conducive to you um, You know, knowing your neighbors and being able to let them know, hey, I'm visually impaired. If I don't wave at you, don't get mad at me. You know, that sort of thing. What's the neighborhood going to be like for you? And is it going to be a place where you can live and feel comfortable? Again, that might be a personal uh, sort of thing. You know, this is a personal request and I just kind of have to adapt to it or whatever. And that's perfectly fine. And that's your own stuff and you go for it. But just kind of think about how what the neighborhood's going to be like for you as a visually impaired person. Some Sometimes you get roads that like, for instance, they're kind of out far and they never get scraped when it snows, if it snows in your area. So it's like, uh, is that a big deal? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, you're not driving, but if you've got to walk down those roads, that's going to be a little more challenging. So just think about and consider what the neighborhood will be like in this new area that you're living. 
So there are seven things to consider when you're moving. Now, obviously, in this podcast, there's no way I can go over every single thing that you need to consider. I mean, that's just that's just impossible. But I wanted to give you just a few because in my own experience of looking at these new houses, I found it doesn't matter the price range, it doesn't matter the location, all these things need to be thought about and planned for. That way, when you get to a new place, at least you've done as much work as you can to prepare for where you're going to live and how you're going to be able to access it as a visually impaired person. So if you find yourself in the near future going away from the house you live in now to a new location, a new house, whether it's down the street or across the country, I hope that you'll take time to consider these things and others as you prepare for that opportunity of moving. All right, guys, I got a little tip for you today. I know as a person who has low vision, I'm talking about I have some limited vision remaining. A lot of times I get eye strain. I know with all the stuff going on in my life right now, I'm, I'm looking at the computer all the time. I'm checking email. I'm filling out documents. I'm signing things. There's a lot going on, and my eyes are oftentimes like, oh, my gosh, I can't take this. I need some rest. And I just wanted to give you a tip, and this isn't really a tip like how to do something. This is more of kind of an encouragement of like, hey, you need to rest your eyes. Uh, For example, we were sitting on the couch the other night watching something and I just closed my eyes because I'm like, look, I can't see the TV anyway. What does it matter? And I closed my eyes. Now, yes, I did fall asleep in the middle of the movie, but you know, that's just what happens. You've got to rest those eyes. So I want to encourage you to take the time. If you're low vision, and especially if you're just getting used to being low vision, you've got to rest. Yes, you can um, take medication or you can do those sort of things, but just a simple act of closing your eyes occasionally, it might seem weird, especially if you've been sighted for a long time because you're interacting with people now with your eyes closed. But if you can find little opportunities, like when you're sitting on the couch or laying in bed talking or or whatever, close your eyes and let them rest for a little while. I know that it will be something you'll thank me for later because it gives your eyes a little bit of rest so you can hit the ground running when they're needed again in the future. So take that time, close your eyes and find a little rest. guys. Well, you've listened to me ramble on here for a little bit, and now it is your turn. I want to hear from you. And to get you started, I've got a question to kind of oomph, you know, give you a little mm as you go. <laughs> I don't know. How do you spell oomph? Anyway, I've got a question for you to get going here. The question is pretty simple. It is, what is one thing about your house or your location that you would change to make it more accessible? Now, this may be something huge or something small. Maybe it's like I'd mark the stairs and curb a little better. Or maybe it's like, oh, I would reroute traffic so I get nothing down my road. I mean, you know, what's one thing, even if it's like not going to happen necessarily, what's one thing you wish about your area and your house that you could change to make it a little more accessible? I want to hear from you guys, and you can do that a few different ways. First of all, you can email me, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at lifeaftersightloss.com. You can tweet me at the Derek Daniel, or you can send me a voicemail, and the number for that is 317-721-1027. And again, on that voicemail, don't forget to include all the information you want, and I'll consider putting that in the podcast. And that way people can hear you all around the world and that'll be awesome. So again, that number is 317-721-1027. And again, if you've got other questions, comments, or just want to say hello, you can also include that as well. Look forward to hearing from all of you very soon. 
All right, guys, I told you that I'd give you a little more information. I want to just uh, kind of talk about what's going on in my life real quick, a little personal kind of note here. If you're listening all the way to the end, thank you so much. And if you have listened to the podcast for very long, you know I've been very, very faithful in bringing it out on Wednesdays at 5 a.m., ready for you when you wake up and the podcast is there and it's, you know, you get your morning cup of joe and listen to me ramble on here on the podcast. So uh, I did miss last week and I I wanted to let you know that because there's a lot happening and I may not get every single week. My, my goal is to can you continue doing it every week. I mean, that's my goal. But for the next, you know, six, eight weeks, it's going to be a little chaotic around my house, you know, with moving from this place and, you know, moving to another place and moving in there. It's going to be a little chaotic. So grant me a little grace as we move in. And, and I just wanted to let you know that um, my whole selling and buying a new house has happened so quickly for us, um, at least at the time of this recording, which is in early February of 2018, uh, we sold our house. We put it on the market one day and it sold the next. And it's, so it's very quick. So we purchased a house a few days later and things have just been moving along very quickly and we're trying to get it all done. And that's just why, you know, we got a lot of things in the air. Now, if you've ever experienced that before, you know what it's like. And even if you haven't moved before, you know that life can sometimes get chaotic. And just as a side note, I think that that as a visually impaired person, it can be a bit stressful because you're like, oh, I, oh everything's happening at once. And I can't focus on anything. When you can't physically focus your eyes, I think it messes with your brain at times as well. So anyway, there's a lot happening and I just wanted to uh, ask for your grace and you know, give me a little bit of grace as we go through this. If I'm not perfect every single week, just know that I am working on things and I'm, I'm bringing uh, the things uh, as I can. We're just a few episodes away from episode number 50, so I'm very excited about that and I want to say thank you for listening to the episode, whether this is your first one or this is your 47th episode of joining me on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. By the way, if you haven't gotten a chance to subscribe to the podcast, I would love for you to do that. Just go to the show notes, lifeaftersightloss.com slash 047, and right underneath the player, there are buttons labeled Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, subscribe on Android. You can do that. You can subscribe. It's totally free and make sure each and every episode comes straight to your mobile device or your computer or wherever it might be. And the good news is that even if I don't put one on the website, even if I just make a small announcement, if you're subscribed to the podcast, you're going to get that. So make sure you subscribe at the show notes, lifeaftersightloss.com slash 047. And don't forget, I want to hear from you. All of the ways to contact me, my social media links, everything you need are at lifeaftersightloss.com slash contact. And of course, as always, in the show notes as well. All right, my friends. Well, that is going to wrap it up for me this week on another episode. I just want to remind you that all the information found in today's episode is intended for informational and educational purposes only. If you're in need of professional, medical, or legal advice, please seek out a specialist in your area. Thanks again for listening wherever you are. And until next time, remember that sight loss isn't the end. It's just the beginning. My name is Derek Daniel from lifeaftersightloss.com, and I'll see you in the next one.